If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey, about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome. This is Medicine in America, a podcast that will share the stories of physicians and other healthcare professionals who are changing the way they practice. We will hear what made them realize they had to reinvent and rethink their approach to treating patients. My name is Anthony Manson. I'm a 20-year-plus veteran of the healthcare industry, and I'm being joined today by my co-host and longtime friend and colleague, Todd Harrington. Welcome. I'm really energized today because we have an amazing guest on our show. His name is Dr. Gotham Galati. He's a physician, serial entrepreneur. He's a storyteller. He's a recognized keynote speaker. He's had over 20 years of hands-on experience in leading innovation projects for most of the top companies and brands around the world. Let's just say he's a renaissance man. I refer to him as Dr. G, as most folks do, and I found him always to be inspirational for me. He thinks differently about healthcare, and he drives innovation. Today, we're going to learn more about his newest venture he just started, which is called The Well Home. It's an interior wellness design clinic for people living with chronic conditions. We know there's so much more we can do in the home setting that could prevent acute situations as well as improving the quality of life. Before we jump in, let me introduce you to my co-host and longtime colleague, Todd Harrington, who always keeps me honest. Hey, Anthony. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to learning more about Dr. G's Well Home Project. Let's do it. So I'm excited, Dr. G, to have you on. I know you have a lot of things going on, and I'm really excited to hear more about it. I feel like there is a movement afoot. We've talked to a lot of providers and we're seeing practices starting to innovate and starting to shift gears, you know, whether it's becoming more holistic, whether it's embracing telehealth. So we're starting to see, I think, at least a a ground up movement that says we have to change the way we practice. Certainly from the patient perspective, there's a massive uprising in terms of we need something better. And typically, anytime that there's an uprising from there, then the solutions essentially have to follow shortly thereafter. There's certainly the desire, to your point, Anthony, that there, there's a desire to make the change, I think, and actually creating the change is where the struggle is, right? To actually execute on it, getting companies to speak to each other, getting people to take accountability of their own behaviors if they do, if they do want to have more of a stake in it. I think those are the micro issues at play here. I mean, telehealth, we saw a massive surge of it through COVID, but it overshot. We thought, oh my God, telehealth is here to stay. And it's finally picked up the pace of where it needs to be in terms of adoption. But then post-pandemic, we saw a massive dive, right? We saw usage taper off. And that's just because telehealth, while it is part of the solution, it's not, it's not a replacement of prior solutions. So we need to find the right equilibrium between where technology comes into play and where it doesn't and what it serves and where it does not serve. And I think we're sort of experimenting and finding that out. But I, I do agree with you, Anthony, that we are starting to see some progress. And for, for better or worse, the, the pandemic actually helped accelerate some of the adoption of these technologies that are actually very useful. I love the Well Home venture that you just started, Dr. G. Could you tell us more about that? 
Yeah, the Well Home in a nutshell is interior wellness design for people living with chronic conditions. And we're focusing on luxury residential homes at the moment. It's it's really sits at the intersection of healthcare and real estate and, and an area that I think is often overlooked. We're starting to see a massive movement of the care at home experience really being a focus of how we deliver care. Now, I think we're also overshooting a little bit, but you hear a lot of buzzwords and terminology around hospital at home and dispatching providers and patients at home. Nothing new. This is something that existed hundreds of years ago, just different solutions that we have to offer today. Before I get into sort of the nitty gritty of that, I mean, a lot of the well home came from personal struggles. For your listeners who, who may not know, I'm a physician. But oftentimes, we're only trained to treat what happens within a certain medical setting, right? And so a few years back, when my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I had my folks move in with me, and I became the primary caretaker. And it was really eye-opening because he had a rapidly progressive form of, of Alzheimer's called Lewy body dementia, and it's a really progressive disease. Now, as a physician, I was, I was prepared to meet anything that required medical intervention or treatment from a clinical standpoint. But it, it turns out that most of his outcomes and quality of life were tied to his experience on a day-to-day basis within our home. When did he need shower handlebars? When was he at flight risk of leaving the home and not remembering that he was supposed to stay within? When is he at fall risk? And are there digital health devices that I could put on him and track him if I'm not around? How do we create a social environment that optimizes his cognition? When sundowning occurs in the evening, are there different things that we can put from a lighting and circadian rhythm standpoint to reduce agitation during that time? So all of these things have nothing to do with clinical treatment, nor are physicians trained to understand how to recommend things there. So I saw this as an opportunity to really help remove anyone else from having to suffer the way we did and the way we learned it. So we're essentially going to be rolling out customized design protocols for various chronic illnesses such as Alzheimer's, sleep issues, autism, migraine, allergies, obesity, and the list goes on and on. So is it really the intersection of kind of uh, health and safety along with just preventative and wellness as well? Is that a combination? Well, I, I think safety is a part of it. Of course, I think safety is sort of an underlying factor for anything that we do from a design standpoint at home, but it may not be relevant to every condition, but it's always going to be a lens that we take a look at. Where this expands to and and how this goes in terms of what we can offer, of course, prevention or eliminating chronic illnesses is is sort of our, our grandiose mission or vision. If we can help do that, we would certainly succeed. But at the very minimum, we want to eliminate the suffering that comes along with living with chronic illnesses. We hope that there's going to be some sort of economic improvement benefit as a result of doing this, because we can, if we keep them happier and healthier inside your home, you're going to have less visits into our health system as well. So we're hoping that this will have a long-term impact, not just in, in, in both the quality of outcomes of the patient's lives, but also from a health economic standpoint in our system. So if, if someone signs up for the well home, your, your crew would go in early before the person comes home and, and kind of look and do an assessment and write a proposal, if you will, to make some changes where necessary? We have that sort of two channels. We have a direct-to-consumer channel. We have a, a business-to-business channel. For right now, we're working directly with real estate agents, interior designers, architects, builders, and we have what's called the Signature Wellness Package. And in the Signature Wellness Package, we look across several different dimensions to ensure that your home is optimized to meet any condition that you have. So we look at sleep, we look at nutrition, we look at movement around the house, social connection, environmental, like you said, safety factors, and so on. And so we go in, if you're purchasing a house or buying a house, to ensure that even before you move in, it is optimized for those experiences. Wow. Now, on top of that, 
if you have specific condition, let's say you've got very severe allergies, or you've got chronic migraines, or you have a child with autism or a parent with Alzheimer's, we will then can go in depth in terms of recommending design protocols that will work with your builder or designer to adjust your home as necessary to make those changes so that we improve your health outcomes along those parameters. And then what we do is we follow up with you. It's not just a, we design and leave you alone. We will actually ensure that we're meeting the goals that you want to achieve. So we will set up additional sessions and refine as necessary to track whatever metrics we need to track to ensure that you're, you're meeting your progress. And in today's day and age, you know, given the acceleration during the, the pandemic, we've seen medical grade wearable devices that quite frankly do a great job in tracking sleep issues, migraine, headaches, allergies, all these types of things So we can actually track and monitor and help improve on the design so that they're living a happiest life in their home and they're aging in place. So there's like a subscription for monitoring and follow-up. Is that like a separate part of the service or is it all kind of one bundle? As of right now, no. Could that be in the future? Potentially. So we actually mm -hmm. have split this up into three different arms. One is the design services arm. There will be the high-end, high-touch experience. We don't necessarily always want to stay purely for the luxury market, but we will also then deploy our our design protocols as a DIY service. So we will publish them online. Mm. And similar to like Amazon Prime, you'll have the Well Home Prime and you can become a member and execute on those protocols as you please. You just won't have my team's assistance to do it with you. And then there'll be a second arm where as a Prime member, you actually get access to a discounted marketplace that gives you all of these curated medical durable goods and digital health goods that you can then deploy at a discount and purchase at a discount for whatever it is that you need in your home. And then there's going to be a third arm, which is an actual experience arm. And this is sort of a real estate play. And we're actually looking at building out what will be a differentiating factor for new neighborhood developments in basically creating neighborhoods that are centered around a wellness experience. So we will look at regenerative agriculture. The entire neighborhood will have their own farm where they can actually access free vegetables and food that they grow in the own farm. There'll be a wellness experience in there with a spa and a gym, et cetera. That's all part of a neighborhood community that they can share. So that's really the three-tiered element of the long-term vision of the well home. But for right now, we're focusing on the design services. Is one of the objectives to design it in such a way that you will need less, dare I say, nurse and outside care because it's, it's got more set for, let's say, an elderly with Alzheimer's or something because it's, it's to make the design more, they're more adaptable to their home? The hope would be that they would require less of that, but I think it's going to be, okay. it's going to be condition specific and dependent. I gotcha. We're trying to be complementary to what's out there, right? So I think senior aid assistants, I think nurses in the home, those are always always going to be required to some degree. Okay. But for example, yeah. if, if a nurse is struggling with maneuvering a wheelchair around a home and trying to understand you know, what design changes to ensure that it makes it easier for the nurse as well as the patient, we can come in and offer our design services and recommendations to say, these are the alterations that you should do, or these are the, the simple changes that you can make for a better outcome. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Got it. I, I think it's really amazing. It's so aspirational in terms of scope. Is there any interaction with, let's say they have a current provider, if it's Alzheimer's and neurologist, do you work with current providers that are involved or you're bringing in your own? Yeah. So we are eventually going to have our own in-house staff, but for now we're essentially just working with any providers that they are currently being served by. 
It makes it a little bit tricky because, of course, with, with certain regulations, there can't be any any direct kickbacks or referrals back to providers. So it's up to their choosing. They can say, listen, we know Dr. G over at the well home. You've got COPD. It might be helpful to engage his service to help optimize for reducing allergies or any triggers that might happen. And also, the, the great thing is, is, is a lot of the devices and things that we recommend could be covered under HSA and FSA if they have those flexible spending accounts already ready to go. And, and it's my belief that ultimately, if we can make the economics work, this is something that insurance is going to want to cover as a long-term. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be great. that'll make a big difference, I think, in terms of access. For sure. We're, we're not there yet. But of course, you know, somebody who's trying to get ahead of the trends, I think it's going to be coming down the pike soon. The other part of it is just information. It's not just the, your expertise that you're providing. You know, I went through my mother who had Alzheimer's and, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? So mm-hmm. it was really learning on the fly constantly or seeing an article about something that you could do to, you know, like you said, sundowning, how to deal with sundowning. And I just think there's so much of a, a health literacy and a void in information when you need it. So it sounds like your service could potentially solve some of those issues. Yeah, I often like to say that healthcare is a story over time, not a point in time. And what I mean by that is that our entire system is actually designed on these episodic moments where we enter the healthcare system. Mm. But most of our health or lack of health happens in the in-between moments, right? And and this is when we get abandoned by our healthcare system. And where do we spend most of our time in the in-between moments? Our home. And so this is where I, I see innovation is ripe of, of opportunity, is figuring out how to address that. Now, I, I do want to say that with a grain of salt, because I think overswinging and say everybody wants care at home is not necessarily true. Most people want to be cared for. They don't want to care for themselves, right? That's just the way mm. human behavior functions. But it is certainly true that our habits are formed by how we inhabit our homes. And so if we can alter how our experience of how we change our movement and experience in the home, we can naturally improve our habits that lead to long-term results in terms of our health outcomes. Yeah, I was reading another subject I was reading about you, and I said, I love being a storyteller myself. I love this, that you said, well played, the storytelling aspect of it. It was just kind of resonated with me when you think of care and storytelling. I love that. Yeah, well played is another little long-term venture that I started actually during COVID when I spent a lot of time on the speaking circuit. I don't enjoy the virtual stuff as much as I do in person. So I decided to devote some of that time towards creating a media production studio called Well Played. And it was actually at the request of Spotify at that time. Mm, Wow. It's still ongoing. And we just won several awards for our original show called Superhumans. And we just landed a grant for that. And we're expanding on that. And we're in talks of uh, developing a few more shows over the next couple of years. So it's interesting. I love the element of storytelling and medicine, but we're really focusing on two areas. How do we use story as a form of medicine? How can we prescribe stories as a form of medicine? And number two is how do we bring truth to medicine? I think those are two really big overlooked areas in terms of what we have from a media content standpoint. We have a people challenge. Behaviors are shifting constantly. I think as a result, our solutions, our innovations, our technologies all have to change and adapt accordingly. And oftentimes assume from a healthcare professional standpoint that the behaviors desired of our patients or our customers are what we're actually designing solutions for. And oftentimes there's a disconnect. So that's number one. Number two, in terms of, of, of my concerns, I don't think companies really have a clear understanding of how to innovate. And there's a lot of waste in our industry. Now, we saw over the past decade or so, a lot of money being thrown into various technologies and solutions and services that, quite frankly, weren't necessary in our environment. And I think that was just from lack of true diligence and understanding what the customers actually want and how the industry works. 
if I were to add a, th- a third one, which I think layers onto all of this, I don't think the new players and the old players want to play in the same sandbox. These cross communications of standards of integrating legacy with new solutions are just not working out well. And of course, healthcare as a system, if we want it to function as a system, they all need to speak together. I don't go to one place or another anymore. I need a seamless experience. And we're not set up in a way to allow the new players to work well with the old players, nor do the old players want to work with some of the new players, despite what they say. I've been talking to a couple residents and interns lately, and um, they seem to uh, really have mixed feelings about entering what we call traditional medicine today. I'm wondering, as a physician and uh, innovation leader, what advice would you have for med students getting out of school today or interns and residents just starting up their life in medicine and treatment? I mean, I get asked that question a lot, actually. I get approached by a lot of young medical students and actually um, and faculty on a couple of, of, of different institutions. And so, I, I mean, I love guiding them. First and foremost, I, you know, this notion that I think people are really concerned about going into the profession, I think it's a little bit overblown. Are there hardships going on right now? Yes. I do think it's in a subset of the population. I think my generation had to deal with most of the difficulties of an of a industry in transition. But we've also been able to see the old world, now the new world, or whatever will be the new world, and we're forced to make those changes without having a say. That's never easy for anybody. And so a lot of the frustration that we're seeing in the current system is because it's of individuals who have actually seen both sets of the world. Now, the older set of physicians are essentially retiring, and they've gone through the traditional way. The younger physicians want more flexibility, and they want better patient interaction. They want a better mental health experience. I think there's different sets of struggles. But my recommendation is, is like when I was starting off in, in medicine and, and going through training, doing anything other than medicine was really frowned upon. It's a whole different world today. And I think getting a medical degree gives you an opportunity to do a whole bunch of different things nowadays. So you don't necessarily just have to do clinical practice. I think given a lot of the flexibility in institutions and the different types of business models that we have in healthcare, you can do a handful of different things and Mm -hmm. still create opportunity within the space. And I know certain institutions even encourage that in their training to get diverse exposure, right? So you can go into research, you can go into entrepreneurship, you can go into part-time care, you can go into all of these ancillary services and get involved, you can go into health coaching, you can go, I mean, there's so many different things now that have branched out from getting a medical degree that I think it's ripe for opportunity. I would recommend it to my kids. I mean, that's the best way to put it. I don't want them to be disenfranchised by what they're seeing in the marketplace about people getting frustrated. I think it will get better. And I think you'll just have to make it good for however you want it to make it happen from the get-go. And that's just having conversations with other people who have gone through it and seeing where the opportunities are and where you can play in the sandbox of, of making healthcare better, not just with direct clinical care, but by other means as well. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think that's physician entrepreneurship. I mean, so many companies being led by physicians or advisors that are really, I think, the future of medicine. You're right, they can make a big difference. And I, I also think we're going to see new roles created. It's going to be just doctors, nurses, social workers, et cetera. I think we're going to start to see AI doctors. We're going to start to see roles that we can't even conceive right now. Don't even They don't even exist in today's world. Mm. And I think in 10, 20 years, we'll probably see a whole different set of different healthcare providers that you can essentially leverage. I think the bigger issue is going to be cost factor, right? The cost of the education, right. mm-hmm. how that translates. Because a lot of people, for example, see me now, they're like, how do I get to where you are? I was like, well, you have to put in 25 years of hard work to get to this place, right? So it's not easy. But those who are willing to put in the work and putting the time, just like with any profession, can make really great opportunity out of it. 
Yeah, as I said, I'm, maybe I'm optimistic or a little biased, but I mean, I think if we look at this from the ground up, I think it's really up to the folks in the industry to make the changes. Top down is is great. Can't wave a magic wand, but I think if everybody starts to think differently, behave differently, we'll start to see changes and you add those up and I think all of a sudden we'll have a much better health system. Agreed. And hopefully, to your point, AI or and other technologies that we're seeing, like sensors in the home, mm-hmm. obviously those will definitely improve outcomes in certain situations. Yeah. I mean, look at me. I'm creating a whole doctor designer role that never existed in the past. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's great. I love you know, it. Maybe there'll be a, a whole bunch of them down the road that I could employ or, or work with. Yeah. I love it. You're getting an interior design degree. Truly really an innovator. Yeah. I mean, to add that to your to uh, your other degrees. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, you know me, Anthony. I'm, I'm a perpetual learner. I know. I love it. <laughs> and I love the well home, the, the, what it says on the website, uh, a home well-designed gives you a life well-lived. That that just covers it. And it's really awesome. Thank you. You're, you're totally onto something here. Thank you. Really. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. G, for joining us today. We'll hopefully check in with you again to see how Well Home is doing and follow up this year with you. And uh, maybe have a part two of this conversation. Well, thank you both. I've enjoyed this conversation. What should our listeners do if they want to learn more about Well Home or get in touch? The best way is just go to my LinkedIn profile. If you want to find out more about me, you can go to imdrg.com. That's I-A-M-D-R-G.com. Or if you want to learn more about The Well Home, go to thewellhome.co, thewellhome.co. And you can sign up there to get early access to uh, some of the work that we're doing. Excellent. I'll have to send my wife there. She's an agent, so. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interesting episode of Medicine in America podcast. We have a lot more episodes coming, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast player and don't forget to rate and review the show. Also, please tell your colleagues and friends about it. I'd like to thank our special guest today, Dr. Galati, and my co-host, Todd Harrington. And a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm your host, Anthony Manson. Until next time.